Hey everybody, Gressel here. Thanks so much for listening to episode 151 of D&D&D. Going to start the episode this week with the uh, announcements and such, uh, because we have a little bit of a shorter one uh, after last week's shorter one because of a scheduling issue. So um, right off the bat, want to say that next week there will not be a regular uh, episode, a regular D&D&D story uh, episode. Uh, that is Wednesday the 14th. We're going to do something a little bit different. I, I'm not going to announce it yet. It will be a paralogue story. I will say that much. But I'm going to give no other details about it. So hopefully you check that out. Uh, it should be fun. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, and uh, that will come out next week on uh, the 14th, September 14th. We will return to regular episodes on uh, the 21st, September 21st, and we'll continue on with that. Um, but we were unable to record uh, the last couple weeks because of scheduling conflicts due uh, to non-COVID illness. So, uh, Paralogue next week, short, it's going to be a short story uh, like the other ones, uh, and then we will get back to regular episodes on the 21st. Uh, also going to start this episode with a little bit of a, a q and I tweeted about uh, how I was going to pad out some of the, this episode with a short Q&A uh, over on our Twitter at dndndpod. That's the best place to get the most up-to-date news about the show. Uh, so follow us on Twitter at dndndpod uh, for all of the latest and greatest. And to maybe ask us a question for when I do things like this. I've done these a couple times uh, when we've had shorter episodes. So uh, a couple of quick questions, uh, and then we will get to the main story with no breaks. Alba at Dunglud on Twitter asks us, do other forms of media make their way into the campaign? If so, what is currently inspiring your writing? Uh, yes, other forms of media absolutely make their way into the campaign in various ways, you know, Right now, House of the Dragon is airing, Lord of the Rings is airing, there's a lot of fantasy stuff uh, going on, and of course, that's always going to uh, be a source of inspiration, Lord of the Rings and Song of Ice and Fire, massive inspirations for me, um, as a storyteller. You know, I've talked a little bit in the past about, uh, a few other people asked about pop culture influences. Um, I've talked a little, bit, a little bit in the past about the ways that things like uh, Outlander and Witcher... Uh, and Avatar Last Airbender and other things have made their way into the show uh, in different ways. Um, but the the biggest form of media, if you can call it that, that makes its way into the, into the show is really cookbooks. Uh, I read a lot of cookbooks now, um, and I, I get a lot of inspiration for the show from the food that um, I think about and I read about. Uh, and I filter that into how it would inspire a fantasy story. That's that's how we ended up with Mad Scientist Dwarves, was me reading about molecular gastronomy. Um, and those readings have kind of led me to realize that uh, my home kitchen and my personal cooking skills uh, have limits when it comes to molecular gastronomy. Uh, so we're going to pivot a little bit towards more uh, like uh, classic French fine dining stuff for these fancy, fancy dwarves. Um, so I'm reading French Laundry Cookbook um, and and other things like that to to try to get inspired for um, some really like fancy uh, meals like that. I also get inspiration from eating at restaurants. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I find it really inspiring. For me, it's um, experiencing art, um, going to to nice restaurants, and and what the the chefs and their their staffs can. Um, put together for us. I, I ate at a restaurant here in Santa Monica uh, recently called Pajoli um, that was just absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, if you're ever in Los Angeles, definitely check it out. Uh, it's really, truly great. James and Chelsea have eaten there as well. It's, it's a special, special place. Um, and that just like lit my brain on fire in how incredible it was. The things that inspire me is, is um, is food. There's another restaurant also in Santa Monica, coincidentally enough, uh, called Rustic Canyon. It's maybe my favorite restaurant here in LA. I find what, uh, the chef there, Andy Dubrava does to be incredibly inspiring. Uh, think, thinking about what, what's done at Rustic Canyon just makes me want to, to try harder and to create, 
new things and 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 you know move forward into into keep pushing boundaries of of my own creativity i i just i love it so much um and that's that's what's really inspiring me lately uh has been some of the the restaurants that i've been eating at here in here in la anna jack thai another great one shout out to anna jack here in la um and uh girl and the goat LA uh, patrons will be getting a recipe that was inspired by eating ice cream at Girl and the Goat. It's not it's not her ice cream, uh, but it's my attempt at trying to make a mint ice cream after there was mint ice cream uh, after we had mint ice cream at Girl and the Goat, and it was so good I bought an ice cream machine the next day. So yeah, uh, that's that's what's inspiring me lately is is just some really amazing food from some really talented uh, kitchens. Uh, Emma West asked, do you guys ever go back and listen to old episodes if you forget your own story? Uh, and Matthew Ruiz asked, uh, if we were ever going to do any more summary episodes. Uh, yes, I, I have been listening to old episodes, uh, getting ready for season five and putting together a big summary doc because we have been doing this for so long, uh, that there's a lot of story and I want to try to arm uh, the players with as much information as possible so that they can play the characters to the top of their ability. Uh, I also, uh, unfortunately lost a notebook not too long ago that had a bunch of important story information in it. So, uh, I have been trying to reverse engineer some things from, by listening to old, uh, old episodes. So, uh, when that undertaking is complete, I still have most of season three and all of season four to listen to. Uh, to take more accurate notes on, uh, maybe I'll pare down that player version into a a audience version uh, and possibly post it on on Patreon uh, or or something. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/dndndpod. When that's complete, and it's going to take me some time, uh, there will be if we do release anything, there will be an announcement. Uh, so stay tuned. A couple people asked about the Zavis Wild Magic Table. Gods Sparta and William Peterson asked uh, about. Zappos' Wild Magic. Uh, it's just a Excel sheet, um, and it has cells, you know, 1 to 100, and the effect is in those cells, and when Chelsea rolls, I just read what's in that cell. Uh, William specifically asked how often you rotate the Wild Magic. Uh, once it's once an effect is used, it's swapped out for something else, so that we don't have repeats. Um, that's just not interesting from a storytelling perspective if we just kept hitting the same beats over and over again. So any wild magic effect should, should in theory only happen once. Um, and we, we will, uh, try not to hit the same, uh, note twice. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, that's how it's done. It's just an Excel sheet and, um, you know, we fill in the effects and swap them out once, once they're rolled. Uh, Matt R. asked, was it your idea to skip straight to Didradon or one of the others think it up? Uh, it was kind of a group effort when we met to discuss what everybody wanted from uh, the season and the show and, and gameplay and stuff going forward. When we had our little pre-production meeting, um, I kind of pitched like, if you want, we could just go right there. And everybody was on board with the idea. No, Everybody wanted to do Didradon. I was going to move on, but everybody else was like, no, let's let's do that. Um, so the players definitely steered us towards Didradon, and then I made the decision like, okay, we'll just start there so that we don't, um, have six months of getting there. Uh, it was my decision to cut right there, but it was the player's decision to go there in the first place. Uh, and will we have more flashback scenes to the trip up there, uh, was the second part of Matt's question. Uh, and possibly if the story calls for it, then, you know, we might use that as a device, but the reason why we used it before... Uh, was because Mike and I uh, decided that, you know, Mike wanted to dip some levels Monk, uh, so we needed a, like, story explanation for that. So that was how we got to the flashback uh, that started last week. And if we need to go, if we need to use that device again for something similar, we will, but uh, I don't have any specific things in mind right now for it. David Thompson says that he's been loving the show so far, so thank you, David, for listening. I'm glad that we could make your uh, work commute better. Uh, and he asks, was it jarring at all to return to this level of goofs so quickly after the prequel? It was It was jarring for me uh, to run the game and steer the story uh, going to a full comedy from uh, the much more serious 
prequel. Not that the, I mean, the, it's not like the prequel was, you know, some grim dark thing, but like it was definitely a lot more serious than the main story. And it was a bit jarring for me. Uh, and I think Beth and Mike to an extent, but, but less so probably than me, they were able to slide into Fletch and Marjorie real fast. Um, and it was a little bit more of an adjustment for me to match everybody else's energy. Uh, we were just talking today, uh, the, the five of us about, uh, how surprisingly easy it was to go back to full comedy. Um, and I think this season so far has been really funny. I hope you do too. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to keeping, keeping the laughs coming, uh, in the next, uh, few months and beyond for, for the rest of this season, uh, and the rest of the show, you know, the show was originally intended to be a comedy and we're not going to, we're not going to betray that. Um, as we get to the end, um, no matter how many, um, <laughs> intense villain battles we have, like the end of season four, uh, hopefully there's always a, a layer of, of humor underneath. To my ask, was the Fletch love story scrapped, or do you have plans to bring it back eventually? Uh, it will, it will definitely come back. It's not scrapped. Um, but that is a, a subplot, uh, that we only want to go to when is, when it's appropriate for the story. Um, Mike and I have discussed what we're going to do with Fletch and Amara, uh, to an extent. He doesn't know the ending. Um, but, um, we have talked about, you know, ways to pepper it in and make sure that we don't lose sight of it, but it's not the focus because, it's it's not uh it's just a subplot uh but it will it will be around so for the the Fletch and Amara shippers um it's it's not gone uh Philippe Verano asks what recipes have you been practicing recently uh I really want to try to get better at sauces get some some better sauce work uh again inspired by some of the sauces that I had recently at Pajoli and Rustic Canyon um and and Jack all the restaurants I named earlier um uh, have outrageous sauces and I want to get better at sauces. So, um, in this kind of fine dining direction that we're going to take the rest of this season, um, I really want to have some, some dynamite sauces to complement the dishes that I'm going to serve for the team. Uh, so that's what I've kind of been thinking about lately. Um, you know, getting, getting more flavors into proteins and glazing meats and, and things like that. Um, just, just trying to work on complete dishes. That's another thing that I'm really working on lately is I, I, I noticed going back to old episodes that a lot of times I would focus on kind of like one thing and not really give the team a full meal. So I'm really trying to, uh, you know, make sure that I, when I, I develop these things, they're complete dishes, uh, which is, which is difficult for a home cook. You know, you, 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 you don't really think about that when you're growing up making the same stuff you know you always made or like a pasta dish is always a complete meal but like you know when you when you start with nothing but an idea it's it's tough to fill that out without the formal training so i'm I'm really trying to pay attention to building complete dishes you know just like you want to build a complete story or a complete encounter in in, in this game you know you you need all those components or something is lacking you know if you, if you build a combat encounter uh and you're your enemies are, are underpowered or you don't have an exciting environment or whatever, something's missing. And the same is true of, of, of a dish. So that's what, what I'm really focusing on more than anything right now is just trying to build complete dishes. Beth Biles asks, will you be doing, when will you be doing the next villain paralogue? I can't wait to find out what happened. I don't know if it's just me, but I imagine Rylith to be, uh, very attractive. Um, Ryleth in my head is also very attractive. That's part of his whole vibe. <laughs> uh, so there will be a paralogue next week, as I said before. Um, but will it be a villain paralogue? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, tune in next week to find out. But for now, uh, that's it for the questions. I've gone on, uh, plenty here. Uh, thank you to everybody who, who tweeted a question. A lot of them are too elaborate uh for for this and and are more for a discussion episode so uh they may return if you ask a question um it might get a answered on the next uh discussion episode so don't don't despair if i didn't answer your question if you ask a question about dming the best way to get an answer uh is to email us at dndndpod at gmail.com um because then i can go into some more detail that's that's really the best way to get an answer if you have a question about DMing. So if you asked one of those questions, feel free to email us. 
uh, and and hopefully I can g- give some insight into you know my process. I'm not an expert by any means, um, but if you're curious what I have to say, shoot us an email. I think that's about it for me. We're going to do uh, a couple of ads and then get to the the story uninterrupted here. Uh, check out our Patreon. As I said before, patreon.com slash dndndpod. Uh, our merch shop is uh, on TeePublic. There's a link in the description. Beth is working on getting her shop back up, and when it is, that's where where merch will live. But for now, check out uh, the TeePublic shop. Link in the episode description. Uh, yeah, and I think that's it. We're going to do a couple of ads, and then the rest of the show, uninterrupted from then on out. So, uh, enjoy this episode. Uh, Paralogue Story next week. Regular episodes back on the 21st. Uh, and thanks, everybody. Do what's fun. Back down at the zoological presentation, pandemonium has erupted as the- I thought it was a monkey, not a panda. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, (laughs) now that the the monkey skeleton has burst from its flesh cage, you notice that other creatures are doing the same, that this strange shadow magic that has passed over the monkey is now moving on to other creatures. Uh, Some of the birds- have um, leapt from their bodies. The skeletons have leapt from their bodies as well. Most of those fly away. Weird. Yeah, how's that work? Do they still... So they're not fighting on behalf of those who turn them into bones? Not all of them. It's just chaos. It's just chaos, it seems. Uh, Marjorie's gonna just sort of not be in that cloud of dark. (laughs) You're trying to avoid it. Uh You're you're walking Uh around flex like... (laughs) (laughs) Chaos has ensued. You are in a huge crowd. There are uh, robed masked cultists all around, and there are uh, these skeletons that are coming out of animals. The biggest problem skeleton right now does appear to be the ape, although there are some other creatures that look as though they could do some damage, both skeletal and not yet skeletal. Is this necromancy magic passing over, like, humanoids as well, or is it just affecting animals? So far, it seems to have only, it seems to only be affecting the animals. Okay. Well, you're gonna get found out, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Zabbis, you rolled a uh, a one, you will go last, but... um, Yeah. (laughs) The margarine flak combo goes before all of the enemies. Okay. Nice. So, let's call it your turn. What do you do? We are... We are surrounded by... There, there's a huge crowd. People are rushing past you try to get, trying to get out. There are cultists. Uh, Marjorie, your your vision is pretty obscured yeah. from just like a flurry of like legs and bodies. Can I see anyone who looks as though they're concentrating on this purple cloud of magic? Mm. There's the cultist it. who gave his little speech yeah. up on stage. Yeah, that dweeb. Is yeah, he like... you can <laughs> see him. Yeah. Okay. You're 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 kind of in a in a backstage area ish that's off to the side. You can see onto the stage. Is he concentrating? It appears as though he is concentrating on the magic, yes. Do I have my light crossbow on me? Probably not. Yeah, let's you establish would be able to what ha- our... You would be able to hide knives, I would think. And the like, a crossbow is probably too bulky to make sense within the costume of the creature. Margin, you're pretty good at throwing knives, right? Is this guy too far for that shit? What knife do you want me to throw? The only one that I still have that's special to me? Yeah, that one. No! (laughs) No! Okay, alright. Really right now? Uh, I guess (laughs) we'll do... How far away is that dweeb from us? Let's say 60 feet. That's beautiful! I'll cast Cloud of Daggers. (laughs) Alright. At him to try to fuck him up. Uh, at a second level Throw spell. Daggers that he's got cloud of daggers. Bullshit. <laughs> you conjure the cloud of daggers uh, around him that uh, he starts to try to swat away at. He will take damage, I believe, at the start of his turn. Uh, it'll be 11. Great. Margarine, you do get an action and things that you can still do as yeah. if it was your turn. I So Margarine doesn't know where to go. Like, she can't see. There are just people... There's, you keep getting bumped into. Right. I'm just seeing butts. I'm just seeing butts. Uh, butts. Chests. I know that there's a bear. 
and I don't and I don't know. We're not okay. Shoot, I'm thinking like six seconds. What is Marjorie doing? Is anybody not moving around me? Yes. Besides Zadis, obviously. Your your buddy uh, Oz is like freaked out. He's like frozen in fear. It looks like. Okay, I don't want to pick his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, roll roll uh, perception. See what see if you're you're looking for like a mark. Yeah. 14 plus 1, 15. 15, you can find what you're looking for, I suppose. What are you looking for? I'm looking for the the, the cult members. Sure, there's there's a nearby some. But I'm a fucking uh, abomination, so I don't know if sneaking up and putting my hands in his pockets is gonna... Well, your hands are really low. That's true. Do what's fun. I'm gonna put my hands in this guy's pockets. Okay, roll sleight of hand. So I make a mark... Uh, I'm gonna sneak over to him in the midst of this of this chaos. Flack just kind of going along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Three plus nine, twelve. Twelve. I think he notices. Hands are in his pocket. That the hands are, and he turns around and he uh, feels hands. Hello. But then you have hands. Yeah. And he's very confused for a moment. Was he at the presentation? This is a cultist, so you just see like wooden mass. Oh. Okay. Um. Can I say something? Sure. I point behind him. I'm like, I think that guy's casting invisible hug on you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Roll. You know what? Roll persuasion. (laughs) I like that roll. No! (laughs) What? What? That one. It's a plus four. 15 and like the little digital die almost landed on 16 and then rolled over to a fucking one. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, The the cultist in response. God damn it. Headbutts you and crits. Oh. 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 My creation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's 10 damage. Who's he hit? uh, What? Who's he hit? He hits flack in the head. Yeah. Do you, does she Wait, take how? any he's, damage? Is he nine she... foot tall? No, he's just you guys stacked on top of each other. So he's like we're like equivalent to all these other. Dwarves, yeah, you're right? like you're like tall, you're taller than the dwarves. You're like a short man. Maybe okay. maybe. Wait, you then like why, why did we say nine feet earlier? Did I mishear that? That was I think incorrect. We were joking we about maybe trying to be a nine foot tall, but then six when we realized that six is upside down nine, and sometimes Beth's brain is like we like to look at things differently. I feel it. Yeah. Cool. Whoops. Yes, he, there is a little bit of a leap involved, though, and that extra force is what gives it the crit. And uh, you are headbutted in the face for ten damage. Cool. But um, what did I get? Yeah, does, does it fuck up my spell? Does pockets? it knock you guys over, or no? Ooh, that's got... a good question, Zavis. Yeah, like, do the physics of that yeah. affect her? I don't know. Cloud of Daggers says duration concentration. Ooh. Have we ever done concentration though? We've done concentration for bit, some things. Off. Okay. The the like the tiny hut and yeah, stuff I was like that. Gonna say that. Uh, let's say that this will break your concentration on Cloud of Draggers because you are fuck? critically headbutted. Yeah. Um, but the dude will take that eleven damage. Like the daggers hit him. Like you cast it on oh, him. Oh. Okay. You know, like okay. that, it'd be weird to be like, well, actually, no. Yeah. Okay. No, you got him. Um, <clears throat> but. It is a good point that uh, the physics of your of Marjorie's tiny legs might not be ready for getting headbutted at that top Ooh, center, top yeah. point of gravity. So Marjorie, roll a dexterity saving throw. So whenever I get to do it, whenever I, well, hmm, I have a new ability called evasion, and it says I can nimbly dodge out of the way of certain area effects. That won't be this. Okay. And it has to do with whenever I do a dex saving throw. So anyway, let me do that. Bada bing, bada boom. That's a 13 plus 9, 22. Yeah, you're fine. You're able to keep your feet, but you do kind of stagger back a little bit. It is... Oh, what do you find? What did I find? Uh, You find a a scrap of paper written in Dwarvish. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, a delayed payoff. (laughs) (laughs) Marcia does not like those. (laughs) Uh, You find a scrap of paper written in Dwarvish. Uh, It is... um, I pocket it. Yes, you do that. Uh, it is now the enemy's turn. That same one, that same cultist that just headbutted you. Oh is- wait, actually, I get two attacks. Is that oh, you- only if I attack? You get two actions. I think is it's as written. And I've let I've let others who have had multiple things do multiple things. Okay, I want to. So the I'll- only thing you can do two of is you can't cast a spell twice. Uh, but you don't have spells, so 
you're fine. I'm gonna stab him. Oh, oh, oh okay. Geez. Stab him. Because yeah. he punched. He punched he you. Well, he, he punched yeah. me, but yeah. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Does a 15 hit? Yep. Nice. This does not seem like enough damage. Ten. Ten will get him good. Wait, on, wait a second here. We got a uh, 1d6 plus four. Oh, and no, then, then a... you have to roll your d8. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do a poison damage on this knife of Galadoy. It's a 10 plus a 1d8, which is a two. It's 12. 12. All right. You got him for 12. Uh, yeah, he kind of you, you stab him and he kind of staggers back. Uh, and then he looks up and with the mask, it looks very creepy. Uh, and it is his turn, or it's the enemy's round now, so they are going to try to get you. You could be wearing armor under your thing, I suppose. So will a 16 get you margarine? No. All right. It does not beat my 17 armor class. And then it, it, it does not. Uh, he stabs in with, like, a, a long, like, shitty-looking knife. A very, like, gnarly, like, kind of almost rusted, like, it's iron, not steel kind of knife. And he tries to stab into you, but he just gets the cloth. Um, but then the cloth starts to kind of short a little bit, the magic. The veil that lets you see, it starts to kind of short. Oh. But you can still, at this point, see through it. Uh-oh. The other enemies are going to do other things. Uh, another cultist is going to come over and join this one to try to attack the creature. Misses. Like, misses bad. Like, gets pushed out of the way by fleeing uh, attendees. The ape skeleton uh, is joined now by the bear skeleton. There was a bear creature as well, a polar bear. And that skeleton jumped out of its skin as well. Uh, and now there's there's this bear skeleton and this ape skeleton, and they are um, murdering murdering people is what they're doing <laughs> in the crowd. It's pandemonium. Some of the other cultists, the one who was leading, uh, who was casting the spell on the stage, um, now free of the cloud of daggers, although wounded by the cloud of daggers, and noticeably so. Um, did it affect that purple? It did. It okay. did. Uh, and he starts to recast the spell, but it seems to be taking longer this time. He's, he didn't have it prepped, seemingly. Zavis, uh, it is your turn. No one has thus far attacked you. Okay. I kind of want to fuck with this new spell I have. Okay. <laughs> um, Tasha's Otherworldly Guys. Okay. I draw on the magic of the lower planes or upper planes, my choice. Uh, Interesting. And- Upper planes I'm going to do because it renders me immune to necrotic damage. Ooh. And I also gain the following benefits. I'm I'm immune to being charmed. Spectral wings appear on your back, giving you a what? flying speed of 40 feet. <laughs> I mostly just did this because it was new and I get necrotic immunity, but also I get cool-ass wings. So. <laughs> All of my weapon attacks are magical, and when I make a weapon attack, I can use spellcasting modifier instead of strength or dex. Wow. And nice. I can attack twice instead of once when I take the attack action on my turn. Well, fuck. Zabbis the Dragoon. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about to get scary. Uh, Yeah, wings sprout from your back after you connect to the upper planes. This is an an interesting thing happens, Zabbis, when you you cast this spell and you reach out for this, like, upper plane energy, which is something that, like, you know, in in this world is different from the like the 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 way that the D and D cosmos is set up. So like upper planes, we don't really know what that means for us. You know, mm-hmm. what is what is like a, a heavenly area or whatever for in in this cosmos? But you have a a kind of a connection to it in a in a way that you can't really explain. You get a a feeling of well, I guess of greatness um that like when these wings sprout from behind you um and you you could be pulling from many different sources but you get a sense that maybe maybe the goat is somehow involved um and these wings sprout from you but you also feel little horns yes please (laughs) uh yeah and your eyes might narrow a little bit and you rise off the ground. It's up to you if you want to fly at all, but you, you start to kind of, you can feel your feet kind of lift a little bit. You feel lighter. I don't know you can I still to... move. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to do that because I want to give these two the chance to really see how cool I look <laughs> before I go zooming around this room. 
Okay. And also, I think now that I'm like kind of floating, maybe I get a better sense of like what's what are we? What are you dealing with? Yeah, like you know, even though I'm pretty tall. Yeah, you're taller than almost all of the other people but around. There are some other uh, elves and humans, but but there are few. Yeah. You can see above most of the fray, and you can see the bear skeleton and the ape skeleton and some of the other larger skeletons that are just like wreaking havoc, like ru- going through the crowd like a bowling ball, like just wreaking havoc on things. If I don't get the chance to ride either of those skeletons while I look like this, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what even says out loud. are we doing? Yeah, I say to them. And they're like, dude, what the fuck? And that's when we turn around to see him. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Oh, whoa. When did this happen? Sorry, my fucking microphone just started freaking out. It's also excited about the wings. It's like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, no, yeah Marjorie just... like starts talking out loud. <laughs> Her hands go over her mouth, which is just like touching her belly. <laughs> creature belly. Uh, we're going to go up top to the uh, mountaintop, um, where it is the other dwarves. The, the, it is the dwarves' turn. And uh, they're going to start to close in on you, uh, kind of as a, in a circle, almost, almost ritualistically now, you see. They pull out these knives uh, from their the sleeves of their, their ceremonial cloaks. And these are uh, very elaborate. They are very well made, forged out of uh, an incredibly shiny reflective metal with these um, bejeweled cross guards and and like a and big ruby pommels. They're metallic? They are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they start to close in on you and the closest one is um, not, not corn chips. What was his real name? <laughs> I'm sorry. Corn chin. Corn chin. Coin chin. Coin chin. You. Coin chin. You assholes. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Master Coin Chin, uh, Torkir Coin Chin, uh, approaches you with the shoe. He has like the broken bottle, with, like, oh, God. like handle in his hand, like yeah. it's a bar fight. Uh, and he is going, he's like, you ruined it. What are, this was going to be the greatest discovery of my career and you ruined it. How, where am I going to get another lightning bottle? And he uh, slashes at you with it. Crits. Oh, what the fuck? Okay. Bad rolls though. You're going to take 10. Okay. 10 damage from this um, bottle uh, slash. And it's just glass as best you can tell. It yeah. doesn't... Uh, you know, you don't have any kind... There, there isn't any kind of other, like, magical effect or anything. It's just ten uh, slashing damage as you are slashed with glass. The others are just Ow. kind of encroaching in on you. Yeah. Um, I leave Kurt, a scar. Curtin comes up behind you and he pushes the... Uh, he pushes the, the gurney that you were meant to be strapped to uh, up behind you, trying to, like, kind of, you know, slew foot you with the gurney. Mm-hmm. Um, roll acrobatics or athletics to somehow move out of the way of it if right. you want to. 25. That certainly does. You just kind of cool jump over yeah, it. Yeah, just leap clear yeah. over it. So he just keeps running. He just keeps running. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to see. He's drunk. Let's see if he can keep from running yeah. off the edge of the mountain. <laughs> Nope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So he wasn't faking so, it. Yeah, oh my god. No. And so passes. <laughs> oh my god. Iron R.A.P. Uh, Wasn't he the professor's like right hand man? <laughs> One of yeah. Yeah, he Jeez. seemed like he was gonna be a big deal. Probably could have been. I'll hold out to your <laughs> flask. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, he you're just so dangling it yeah. over the side. <laughs> yeah, pour one out, dude. Pour it on him as he's falling. <laughs> That's so <Dude>. cool. <laughs> Fucking brutal. Bad ro- some good rolls and some bad rolls for these yeah. dwarves. It is your turn. Okay, who's the closest one? On the me? closest one is uh, Coinchin. Okay. First of all, Coinchin, I did not appreciate you slashing me with glass. Second of all, if lightning struck your bottle and broke it, it was never going to catch lightning in the first place. 
It's the conditions of the experiment were not such that we could adequately measure the, oh, what the were tensile the strength of what the... What were the conditions? We were supposed to be strapped to the gurney, and now the gurney's falling over the side of the... Bo- Why am I debating with... You know what? Spirited academic debate is the foundation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I challenge you. <laughs> he kind of stops for a second. It's a consider. word battle. <laughs> wow, Fletch has lost. Uh, oh he's my given God. up the ruse of the voice he was doing. Fletch, Fletch literally just like, debate me, dude. Debate me. <laughs> It's your turn. It's your turn. What do you do? Right. Well, I say, uh, you know what? Let's skip debating here. I'll pour one out for uh, for, <laughs> for your buddy over there who just jumped over the the side of the mountain, and I throw, I, I like splash him with with the the liquor. Okay. And then I close my eyes, mm-hmm. and I cast uh, sweeping cinder strike while <gasps> holding my fingers pointing at him. This is a new ability. Yes. Burning hands. As you hold your hands with thumbs touching and fingers spread, a thin sheet of flames shoots forth from your outstretched fingertips. Fantastic. Uh, We're getting nuts in this season, (laughs) bud. (laughs) Weird shit's going to happen. Do you roll an attack roll or anything with this? Um, No. Each creature must make a dexterity saving throw. Yeah, there are others around. Yeah, there are others around. This is a 15-foot cone, so you're going to catch a couple others. One of the guys in the background uh, succeeded, but you're going to catch two of them, including um, Mr. Coinchin here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is 3d6 fire damage, and half that, half whatever you roll, even on the guy that's uh, that caught it. And yep. the fire ignites flammable <laughs> objects that are being worn or carried. Yes, plus the alcohol. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. And the forge, forge fire... Yeah. Very flammable. Oh. It's right there in the name. What are their masks made of? Theirs Wood. are different metals. Oh, okay. Yeah, theirs are. There is a difference. If that metal gets hot, is, will it get hot enough though to like Ooh. sear into their skin? Yeah, it will like melt onto them. Yeah. Well, that's something we'll, we'll find be... out if we see these villains again. Just <laughs> <laughs> to wind all of them I, off the mountain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was the time to use it. Uh, roll your fire damage. Oh. um... Okay. 3d6. If he does, oh, we can just... Okay. James! He's trying to eat Pringles again. <laughs> He's, He's sneaking sneak Pringles. Pringles. He's got a little scamp face on. He's trying to be so quiet, you guys. Eight. Eight fire damage for those uh, guys. Half as much for the one who did succeed. Except you're going to catch Torkir Coinchin on fire. Uh, he screams, his screams echo from the mountain. The fire now, in addition to the electricity that is now radiating around you, or that you, you notice that the, the device, the gem-powered device, uh, is really, really going nuts now. And there's another clap of thunder, a lightning strike that lands nearby you. Some of the other dwarves cower away from, but you don't no, react. No, don't. Back down at the zoo. <laughs> Things are going very poorly for the crowd. The bear and the ape continue to grab unsuspecting and fleeing attendees. The spell uh, that was being cast in the stage seems to be nearing completion. It is the margarine flack construct's turn. What do you do? Where do I go? Margarine, do you see freaking Zappas? I can Yes. Should I go to him? No. Um, are skeletons corpses? Huh. Mm. Uh, I would say that the discarded piles of flesh are corpses. Oh, oh. He's he's making a smile. Are they small or medium corpses? There are small or medium corpses, not the ape or the bear. Those are large. Apes, not medium. The apes, apes not apes large. Is huge. The apes, like a, a bit like ape? gorilla size, would be bigger than a human. We fought a dragon. Yeah, what's that? That doesn't that? change That's, the size of things. You need to it, scale appropriately. Yeah, yes. The, what's a horse? Right. What's but, a horse? A horse is large. Okay. Really? Yes. Horse is the large creature. I a dragon look at an ape is gargantuan. Next to a horse and say those are different sizes. Because like a gorilla and an ape. A gorilla, I'll give you, is large. Gorilla, large. large. An ape, medium. A gorilla is is an ape. 
squares and rectangles, my guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But gorillas are like the biggest apes. Yes. Yeah. Th- this, yeah, and this is not a gorilla. But he didn't specify it was this, a gorilla. He well, said guys, it was well, an ape. said a giant ape. It is a large creature. I'm telling you, it is a large creature. Well, then fine. We're not getting necromancy from Flack right now. Because there are other corpses around. But they're not as cool. They're not as cool. They're, they're like murdered people. Yeah. Oh, there are people. I don't care. That's not as cool as a fucking bear and a fucking... How do I upgrade this to do large bodies? Anyway. Well, tell me which direction there, to run. There, there's a panther or something that would be medium if you're looking for a impressive creature to reanimate no, somehow. Don't kill I'm just saying if he, anything ever happens to him. Papo's medium. Papo's pretty effective. That spell. Where is Papo? Here, I believe you brought him. Yeah, he's in the carriage. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like the stable. He's hanging oh, out. Oh, okay. Not here, here. Not here, yeah. here. Okay. He's, he, um, Eldabelle's keeping him company. We are one, so you can do something first if you want. Well, I can't see. I yelled, where are we? Go- where should I go? I don't know. Because basically, I need to make a decision if I'm going to go after the guy on the stage or go after the skeleton. Let's not go after the skeleton. No. They're, also- they're doing their own thing, it seems like. They're not necessarily opposed to us. They're just confused and scared. They had skin a moment ago. Now they don't. <laughs> 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 All right. There is the guy that's in front of you still. There's the two guys There's now, two right? Cultists. Oh, what, the headbutting yeah, 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 the guy? the headbutter and his, his companion. I guess it makes, it makes logical sense for Marjorie to keep going after these guys. So that's what she's going to do. I'll give you sneak attack because they don't think that you're independent. Mm-hmm. Ah. In that case, one of them is going to die tonight. <laughs> for my first attack, I hit them for 22. Yes. Not for 22, but... You rolled a 22 to hit, and yes. that does hit, yes. I thought my damage was higher than that. Well, with sneak attack, it will be. Well, sneak here's a question. Really was I... Yeah. Was I before using both of my knives? Yep. And that's what... Oh, my God. You have one fewer attack now. Does, uh... These guys don't... Do they have knives? They have, like, very crude knives, yes. Okay. I need to steal one of those crude knives. Disarming strike is one of your maneuvers. Yes, it is. And I will be using it. Wait, Marjorie. <laughs> As she's <laughs> going to stab. What? I could dimension door to the stage and you could do this to that other guy. And that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One willing creature of my size or smaller. We've done this before, yeah. yeah. But it's it'll work with both of us because we're connected. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, can I do that then? Can I cast Dimension Door? Yes. And go directly behind the dude on the stage? Yes. You do that. That's what I do. You are behind him. He's casting the spell and suddenly very confused as you appear, walk through your purple Dimension Doorway. Um, oh, it looks like a music note. It does look like a music note. Yep. And you you uh, exit out of this music note. There's a, a, uh, a distorted um, metal riff chord plays. And you step out. Marjorie steps out. Immediately 22 to hit. 22 to hit. Uh, does hit. Yes. Uh, uh, is there any kind of advantage or anything? Because this guy is not expecting it. Yeah, you'll certainly have advantage. So sneak attack. Okay. Yep. I'm going to use a superiority die to do a disarming attack on this guy. Yep. Clear his pockets. Disarming attack works. Fails the strength saving throw. Failed. Great. You steal his knife. It is also a uh, very shitty kind of iron blade, very crude and cheaply made. The handle is just like pieces of wood that are like hammered into the uh, to the tang of the blade. Um, very very basic. Your damage is going to be uh, six, and then three poison damage. And then your sneak attack. Uh-huh. 5d... 5d6. Wow. Yeah. That's gonna be a 13, my guy. Yeah, 22 total will kill this cultist. Oh, what am I gonna do with my second attack? Throw a knife. That's a good question. You can see other cultists in the crowd from the stage. I throw the shitty knife. Throw the shitty knife. Roll a ranged attack roll. 7 plus 9. That's 16. That'll get him. 8. 8 total, yeah. So you get one. Ugh! You hear him exclaim as he is uh, stabbed, impaled by this knife. Uh, he turns to get your attention, sees that you have killed the one on stage, and this one that you have just stabbed now tries to starts to cast the spell. The skeletons are still 
at it. The crowd has started to thin now. People are mostly uh, clearing out after the pandemonium. Zavis, or no, now it is the enemy's turn. So this one that you just... <laughs> she like opened her mouth to start to talk. <laughs> the one that you just threw the dagger at is going to start casting the spell. Uh, other ones are going to uh, appear around the stage. There are two other cultists now, so three around you, Flack and, and Marjorie. Zabbis, uh, cultists are drawn uh, to your your sudden wings and appearance of, of uh, just craziness. Yeah, and I did not do this intentionally, but I have I have I have a little bit of an idea here because uh, they are cultists. I'm assuming they like they're the ones that worship this dragon, or that yes. they. That's what they they yelled about before. Can yeah. I? Because you said I grew horns, right? You I said did that, say not that me. You grew horns. You, you grew, said oh, that, yeah, not me. I did say. Can that. I? I'm trying to think what I can do. I want to convince all these guys that I am like an incarnation of this dragon. Yes. Yes. They, yes. They yes. They rush over to you, and they. I was just about to say they do not attack you. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and move now to Zavis's turn. There are three cultists who have rushed up to you, and you are floating slightly off the ground with your angelic wings and goat horns. Uh-huh. Uh, and your eyes have kind of even changed a little bit. Or in certain lights, maybe they've changed. People now have to look, if they look twice, like, do your eyes, is his Oh my is God, the story weird? is spreading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I realized I didn't actually like use a turn to... I had that plan, and I realized I don't know what I'm going to do with this power. <laughs> I wasn't expecting them all to be so chill immediately. They're they're not necessarily chill, but they are they are now. In, I would say in confused awe. Are there any of them I can tell are borderline? Like this this guy's going to be a problem, or no? Uh, no, they they don't really seem like that. They they kind of they kind of ran up to you and then they got a good look at you and now they've kind of started to like slowly back away they're, almost. They're like a bunch of shy guys. Yes, they, oh, that God. is exactly what they are. <laughs> <laughs> are there any? Oh man, this isn't the fucking botany show. There's no plants here. That's not what this is. There's like. Just animals. There's animals. And they're all like fucked up, right? Cool. Most of them are fucked up. Do I have enough knowledge of this like dragon to understand like its ability? Like I know it's like a like a death kind of mm-hmm. dragon, but do I have enough knowledge to understand is it strictly death or does it also maybe have control over bringing things back to life. I mean, I guess that's necromancy. Like, reanimating things. Um, like, is that something that would be consistent with their beliefs? Roll history. Okay. See if you know. I don't. I rolled a four. <laughs> uh, a four, you don't know for sure. Yo, you know what I'm gonna do? It's me, John, And, uh... What's up? Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I what I'm gonna do is I have my staff and I want oh, to yeah, summon Marta oh. to like. I, it's gonna be weird because she's not gonna know what the fuck is going on, but I kind of want her to be like proof that I have control over the realm of the dead. <laughs> Marta, Marta usually rolls with. Things. She does. She's yeah. cool. Hi. She understands all my ideas. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it's cold up here. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, as it would be in the kingdom of death. This is my squire of death, everyone. Meet Marta. <laughs> <laughs> she, she waves. Uh, and the roll persuasion with advantage. Oh, cool. Is there anything we can do from the stage once we hear Zabas? Uh, giving this proclamation. Uh, 19? 19 is definitely good enough. They uh, drop to their knees in reverence. Yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. I need to check how long that one spell lasts. Hang on. Uh, it's going to last a minute. Okay, so, so far... Of me looking this fucking cool. You have... But dragons can appear to just be people. They can. So, I... Not, I'm not too worried about it. Mm-hmm. I am just sad I won't look like this forever, though. Uh, another 
round or so until that breaks. Okay, we are now back up to the mountaintop. You have set people on fire <laughs> and flung, uh, a couple have flung, uh, have fallen off of the mountaintop itself. The storm rages around you. What do you do? I want to get close to the gem. Okay. And investigate that and see if I can, like, either take it or okay. just, yeah, investigate it. Yeah, it's a small, uh, ish or low to the ground, I guess, contraption um, that is uh, maybe like a foot tall, a couple feet wide. It's got this gem in it and this device sticking out of it that is whir- whirling like a like a Wurlitzer organ that's spinning around very, very, very fast. It seems to be kind of generating some sort of current that is flowing upward into the sky. As you get closer to it, it, it appeared from a distance that it might be red or a ruby or something, but as you get closer to it, you can see that that is just the glow that is coming, and it appears to be a dark gem of some kind, or mm. perhaps the magic is making it appear dark. You don't know. Okay. But that is what the device looks like. What do you do? Uh, I want to take this. Uh, can anybody help me uh, take this out, please? <laughs> Somebody before I uh, kill all of you. <laughs> uh, a couple of the other dwarves that are still left that are not on fire come over to you and they try to stab you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them. Well, what, does nineteen hit? No, uh, nineteen is my armor class currently. The attacker wins attack roll ties. Oh, oh okay. no. I was going to say your pecs just like bounce this <laughs> way. All right. Well, before he attacks, I would like to. Um, yeah, there's like a, a monk thing here. Patient defense. You can spend one key point to take the dodge action. All right. Well, let's say you do that. Yeah. Well, I would like to. All right. So you dodge out of the way of the attack with it. With the, you manipulate the wind. And when you do manipulate the wind up here, that device starts to go nuts. It glows bright enough where it casts now a glow over the top of the mountain top. Oh. Um, and there's a flurry of wind that starts to, when you, when you like move your body to avoid this blow, there's enough of a current of wind that it picks up one of the cultists <laughs> and flings them off oh, the mountain. No. Is anybody going to help me take this out? Uh, the screaming the stops gem? and um, Mr. Coinchin's body just falls to the ground <laughs> and it kind of just smolders. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I go over to Coinchin and grab his dagger. Okay. And I want to go shut this thing off somehow. Is there, Can I see any... Are there any cables or is it just is it just a gem in a bottle? It's a gem in a box. A box. That's pretty much it. Uh, I'd like to throw the dagger at the box. Is it a glass box or is it just a box box? Have we seen a gem in a box? We've <laughs> seen a gem in a box. Oh. Where have we seen a gem in a box? A couple times. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't remember that. Uh-oh. <laughs> it was... Uh-oh. <gasps> uh-oh. <laughs> I remember where we saw a gem in the box. We... You want to share with the class? Do I? Should I share with the class? You can share with the class. It would probably be better if everybody knew. Teacher. We activated a gem in the box uh, when we were going up an elevator in a oh. different realm. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, with the, it's a dark gem. It's a dark gem. Descri- yep. That was described. Oh, yeah. And like that shitty, shitty... Like, and we fucked it up. Yeah, we accidentally sucked. activated the gem. Yep. So that, okay, ready? Yeah. Uh, flashback! <laughs> Fletch has a flashback, and it's from season four. Uh, when we were trying to ascend from the bottom, we took the bottom route because we were looking for us from the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. In the woods. And we got to... Uh, an elevator that it, it, it's it's an elevator in the Feywild, but it is nothing in uh, World One. So we found a little gem in the box, and we figured out that if you interact with the gem, you could activate the elevator and kind of temporarily be transported to the Feywild to use the elevator, and then come back to World One when it's over. But the way that we interacted with the gem was to use like goopy black magic. Uh, I'm trying to remember what Mar- Marjorie used something she had. I don't remember exactly what triggered it. Damn it! It was it was something spooky, spooky black, dark magic, uh, and it glitched the elevator, and we were accidentally transported to a like elevator in the uh, Negaverse, the third world. The shadow fell. The shadow fell, mm-hmm. and that was the first time we ever saw the shadow fell. And there were very big spiders, and it was super spooky, and we hated it. 
And fortunately, once the elevator ride was over, we came back to World 1. Yes. Right. Your flashback yeah. ends. Okay. That was the last time that you saw a gem in a box. There were other times. Wow. I don't remember those times. <laughs> Fletch doesn't either currently, unless you want to roll history. No, I'll roll, I'll roll history. Okay. I'll probably not. I'll fail this one. Eight. Eight is not going to do it. Mm. You want to throw... You previously had said you wanted to throw the dagger at the box. Do you still want to do that? Yeah, let's just do that. Okay. I think I put the big dark crystal from the gross boar. That oh. sounds right. Into the... It, it was the only thing that could like pass Fit through it, the yeah, box. Yeah, that could get through it. Uh, you throw the dagger at the box, and as the dagger gets close to the box, a lightning bolt comes down from the sky and strikes the metal dagger, knocking it out of the path of the box. Hmm. You have the idea that I'm just going to go walk up and try to open the box. Okay. Because I've noticed that it reacts to my elemental movement, like the stuff that I'm doing. So maybe I'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, You go over to the box. You just try to like lift the lid. Yeah. You grab it. And there is an enormous crash of thunder above you. And you feel that you feel a pulse of energy through you that just like blooms out from the box. You try to let go, Mm -hmm. but you can't. You're fixed in place. And Fletch is struck by lightning. Oh, (gasps) Oh, no. (laughs) You feel this kind of lightning bolt radiate around you and it's caught inside of you. The device did essentially what it was supposed to do. It caught a bolt of lightning. Using the tall one. That, uh, <laughs> I did with their experiment for them. Was there anyone there to witness it? Yeah, tell me one guy survived. <laughs> still furiously writing. <laughs> I must take note of this data. This must be peer reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> you you feel this lightning just going and bouncing around inside of you. You feel this energy, but it, it doesn't immediately hurt you, but you can still feel it building and building. Now it's like a pressure and it needs to go somewhere. Okay. Where do you send it? Can I, po- can I point it somewhere? <laughs> I'm not putting it on my butt. Put your butt. I'm not going to do, do it on my do butt. Do you have a butt bottle? I, is there... <laughs> There's no bottle close. The guy said that I broke the only one. He was, where he was going to find it. What about the flask? Um, I could try putting it in the flask. Is it the craziest thing I've ever said? Lightning in a flask. I guess I'll shoot it back up into the... Like I'll, I'll try to get one hand free and then point. Uh, roll a point strength up. roll. Do what you want. <laughs> No one. Oh no! No, you cannot get one hand free. You cannot free yourself from the 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 the, the grip of this device that's holding you here with this uh, this energy, this electricity that is just bouncing around inside of you, and you can't break your your grasp. There's nowhere for this to go. Um, all of the metal objects that you're carrying are flung off of you. Oh no! Ooh. Oh, <gasps> no. Doesn't he have the sword? Oh, yeah, you do have the sword. I have Uh-oh. the sword? Yeah, you oh. have Eagle Strike. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, oh, dude. Eagle Strike doesn't get flung off the mountain, but all of the metal objects are flung off of you. The only thing that's left on your person are your clothes, your leather armor, and your staff, your stick. Uh, everything else is just flung from you. Um, let's say Eagle Strike is flung from you and stabs the guy. He's writing just through his book. Oh, oh. oh god. <laughs> uh, and he's killed, and now you've defeated all of the dwarves, but there's this this energy that is still pulsing around inside of you, still looking for somewhere to go. Everything has been flung off of you except for your clothes and your your <laughs> wooden stick. What's his hair look like? Yeah, standing full on end, <laughs> ears extra pointy. So he's Going Super Saiyan. <laughs> oh, no. <Hell> yeah. <laughs> All his clothes got ripped off. His muscles are just bulging yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, good thing you grabbed that stick, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, and the stick starts to draw oh. the energy. <laughs> and the stick becomes the bottle. It's the only thing left. It's the only place for this energy to go. 
and now <laughs> it, it just pulls this from you and the stick falls off the like strap you had on the ba- on your back or whatever and it falls to the ground and it starts to glow and pulse and you can let go of the device the device stops whirring and the gem stops glowing and all of that that power all of that energy is now in this stick that you picked up on your travels give <laughs> up Lightning it's a staff. Lightning, yeah, it's a lightning bow it's staff. It's a lightning now. rod. <laughs> it's the Stormtail bow. The Stormtail bow staff. Bow staff. What? <laughs> wow! Hell yeah! Wow! D&D&D is a More Park Media podcast and a Spotify preferred partner. Written and edited by me, James Gressel. D&D&D is performed by James A. Janice, Chelsea Rebecca, Beth Bradloff, and Mike Sagan.